welcome to If I Knew Then What I Know Now. This podcast is brought to you by the co-founders of The Mindset Difference, myself, Paul O'Connell, and Roger Martin. We and our guests are leaders who face difficult and sometimes harrowing challenges, primarily in the built environment, technology, and renewable energy sectors. Our intention is sharing how they and we tackle them, and importantly, the lessons learned. We hope what's shared proves helpful and you might have an insight or two that makes a difference and helps you see something new. Enjoy listening. In this episode, I, Paul, speak to Roger, my co-founder at The Mindset Difference. Our conversation focuses on our new world-class leader course, which Roger was the inspiration behind. I hope you find the story behind its creation revealing. Enjoy listening. Hi, Rog. Well, as the uh, as the person really that is the inspiration behind uh, the, the new course, um, I'd like to start with uh, a question that might be on people's minds, and that is another leadership course. Why do we need another one? I How would you that. answer that? I've created many other courses that are out there in my. Um, but there was something about them that, I don't know, they just wasn't as transformative as people were hoping for. Yeah, they're, they're very useful. People used to love them, but they weren't transformative. And in the last few years, I've had some insights as to, um, that speak to the reasons why, why they weren't as transformative. Um, and seeing those clearly, um, I think helps leaders face these new times we're in from a different standpoint, a different perspective. They're able to speak from a different place inside themselves into questions like the pandemic and its aftermath and the way we now need to change given these new circumstances we're all now in. I've, yeah, it, so it's seeing that transformational nature which isn't present in all leadership programs that I think spurred me to bring this to you and you know, to our community um, here at the Mindset Difference uh, and to do something with, you know, to create something mm -hmm. from it. So you said you, you realised some things over the last several years. What were those things? Where did they come from? Yeah, thanks, Paul. It, um, I've been thinking about that. It's, uh, it goes back some way, really. It goes back to 2014, um, I think, when I personally had a realisation um, which is that I, I realized that I'm capable of far more, but for the thinking I was living in. That was my realization. 
it it came from um, a book by a guy called Jack Pransky called Somebody Should Have Told Us, which I thought was a great name for a book. And since 2014, I've been pondering on that a lot. And recently, I've come across three other books that support in a kind of big way, really, that realization that I had. And the first of those is a book by Rutger Bregman, who um, published last year um, his book, which was called Humankind, A Hopeful History, was the title of the book. And its basic conclusion was that if we peel back the veneer of human nature, we tend to believe that we're quite evil or we're out to harm one another or we're very selfish. That's the sort of um, meme that's out there that's, that's promulgated on the news and in social media, uh, especially. And what he set out to do in the book was essentially uh, say that's wrong. That's not how human nature operates at all. And that when you get down to it, basically, we're quite decent people, really. And he did it by unpacking, he sort of systematically unpacked a number of things, like um, the book by William Golding, Lord of the Flies, which many people have read. And it told the tale of um, uh, public school boys stranded on an island and ended up fighting one another. And what Bregman discovered was that there was an actual group of uh, people, who uh, young boys who were stranded on an island uh, near Tonga for, I think it was two years, and survived it by cooperating, by actually helping one another through uh, the difficulties that they have. It, they, that they, had, they had arguments, but they had this rule whereby they'd go to either side of the island cool off and then come back and sort it out because their their nature was was to to work collaboratively to work cooperatively together um he looked at how trends in evolutionary biology um you know like we blush and we have whites in our eyes that signal our inner our inner world if you will our inner emotions um that that the, the kind of view is that we are a species that select for our friendliness more than we select from our, uh, for just being the fittest. Um, now he looked at the experience of soldiers in war and, and the effect war has afterwards. Um, he unpicked various psychological experiments where people were inflicting harm on others. Uh, and, and, and showed how they were rigged. They weren't, um, they weren't uh, uh, um, justified in the sense that the, the scientists conducting them wanted to prove a point. Um, and he also, he points to things like the pandemic, you know, that, that what he described as you get explosions of altruism 
at the point where we face great, great, great adversity, our nature is to help one another. It isn't an every man for himself thing. It's a much more collegiate, collaborative nature uh, that is uh, what we humans have. So that was the first thing. And then the second book was by Michael Sandel, which is a new book called The Tyranny of Meritocracy. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I grew up, uh, I was a young man in Thatcher's era in the 80s. Um, and this whole idea of meritocracy sounded quite plausible. You know, the idea that you have certain talents, you um, develop those talents to the full and you reap the rewards of, of deploying what skills and talents you've got. And, you know, it sounds, um, uh, I, I still think there's a lot of merit in that. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of merit in meritocracy. But what Sandal points to is there's a downside to it. And the downside is that we tend to look at those who have not uh, been to university, say, or don't deploy their, uh, haven't got the same talents. We tend to look down on them. And he's arguing that that uh, is destroying our sense of the common good. And it helps explain um, a lot of the polarization that we see on the mainstream media and it's certainly true on social media. And no doubt it pervades our workplaces as well. Um, so the downside of meritocracy is this, is this tendency to look down on those who haven't done as well as we have perhaps, or um, we see that it's me that's important, not that it's we that's important. And the third book was one I read when I was on a holiday in Lanzarote a couple of years ago, which had a profound effect on me, was a book called The Culture Code by, by Dan Coyle, Daniel Coyle. And Coyle was interested in um, the language of successful groups. That's what he was interested in. What's the secret behind best-in-class, world-class, high performance? Now, he's an American, so he was looking at baseball teams and basketball teams. But I saw parallels with my passion, which is rugby union and the New Zealand All Blacks. Um, and why is it they, they, looking back, they have a record second to none um, performance-wise compared to their nearest rivals. And what Coyle um, discovered in the way these groups speak to one another, were that there were three characteristics um, common in them all in these groups. The first is that people felt safe. Right? They weren't looking over their shoulder all the time, thinking their last job could be their last job, you know, that they'll be jumped on, micromanaged, fired for, for, for making a mistake. Secondly, that 
when times are tough and big decisions need to be made, feeling the vulnerability around that and expressing it was seen as a strength and not, as it so often is, a weakness. In other words, people were expected to and encouraged to speak up because as Brené Brown usefully says in a wonderful quote, our vulnerability is the greatest test of courage that we've got. The flip side of vulnerability is courage. And the third um, thing Coyle found was that these groups had clarity of purpose. They knew why they existed, what they were there to do, who was depending on them to deliver benefits that were of use to their stakeholders. That wasn't abstract or um, kind of sort of written for the business case and then forgotten about. You know, it was lived and breathed. It felt important. And what struck me about that was, I think we often think that cultures inside teams that do well are highly competitive. You know, it's about being the best and um, uh, winning at all costs, or, uh, you know, it, it's got that, that sort of image attached to it. Now, it's not to say there's not competition in, in, in teams of this kind, but that competition never trumps collaboration. You know, what Coyle was pointing to was something that I'd felt, but hadn't really seen clearly for myself, is that you get, you, you get better at whatever you're doing by creating this safe, vulnerable, purpose-driven culture that's collaborative. It's that that makes the difference and not the gun-ho, win-lose hubris, as some describe, that, that we think uh, makes the difference. So it was those three books, really, that led me to some conclusions. Um, the first of which is that our inner world, how we, how we relate to the thoughts we have, shapes the way we respond to the outer world. You know, it, 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 start, it starts from there. And for me, that inner world was pretty limiting. You know, I lived in a lot of insecure thinking that limited A, what I thought was possible and B, what I thought my contribution to that could be. It was a very, I wouldn't wish my inner world on anybody. <laughs> it could be very a very tumultuous place yeah. sometimes yeah. but when but by examining that by looking at that inner world and how and how we relate to the outer world and seeing that we can create as leaders particularly we can create the conditions in which others can be at their best others can also have a, an inner life that's helpful and 
uh, enabling rather than unhelpful and dispiriting. By creating those conditions, we can reach a point in three or six or nine or 12 months time when we look back and we think to ourselves, I've made a difference. As a leader, I by doing that, I have made a difference in the particular world, in the particular sphere of influence that I'm a leader in. And it's that that I wanted to share and bring to leaders in the sectors we, we, we serve and we work with, because I see great potential for those, for those leaders to change the conditions, to change the culture in which those around them operate, such that that world looks different, the challenges in it look different, and what they're able to achieve looks more, looks like it could be a lot more than what might currently be the case. So does that answer your question? It does. It, it, it paints um, quite a picture of your journey through uh, your realisations in reading those books. And I think you, you indirectly pointed to perhaps to some uh, some of this, but I, I want to be explicit in, in asking you, what, what, do, what do you think is missing then in leaders today um, that you believe this course will help them with? Well, I think what's, it's a good question. Um, I think what's missing is that we tend to look outside ourselves for answers. You know, we tend to look at the latest technique or tool or, you know, the latest piece of thinking around how best to accomplish X, Y, or Z. Uh, and, and that has a place, you know, there's, there's, that's really um, useful. But it's not always transformative in, in the sense that when we look within to the often hidden thinking habits, mindsets we've all got, me too, you too, right? you as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the, when we go there, that's when we see how limiting our, our thinking has innocently become. You know, we're unaware of it, hence innocently. We don't know. But when we start to um, poke around a bit and uncover that a bit and not to take stuff we once took seriously, quite so seriously, that opens up new vistas, new possibilities that simply weren't available to us before. And it's, it's that that... That's the bit that's missing, I think. It's, mm. And that journey within needn't be laced with, you know, it's therapeutic and you have to lie on couches and it's heavy and hard and difficult, which is where I used to be. I used to think about it in those terms. It, it, it's, it, it, that, that just breeds a sense of 
um, oh, I won't go there because I'll open a can of worms and it'll be far too difficult. You know, that, that, that's often, I think, what people think about, about this thing that I'm saying here. But, but it really, really needn't be like that. It's, it, it's much more simpler than that when we start to look at the relationship we, we have with the thoughts that pop into our head. Um, so that's the bit that's missing, I, I think. And also, obviously, knowing you well, um, uh, you talk about it not having to be, you know, all sitting on a couch. Um, in fact, it can be it can be a hell of a lot of fun, and there's a lot of laughter. Um, and I know you <laughs> you always make sure that um, whatever exercises we put together, um, that it, it's an enjoyable experience. Um, now it sounds a little uh, too simple, almost, to notice what's going on inside, and I, I wonder how would you answer that question? Um, ah, okay. You reflect. You notice something about your thinking. That can't do a lot, can it? Yeah, it, uh, I know <laughs> that the simplicity of it is sort of, it's like a joke, really. It's, it's like, it is that simple. You know, I know we can, I know we have an immense capacity to make it more complicated especially me right i have an especially attuned capacity of making life far more complex than it actually is and i'm sure i'm not the only one uh, i think i might be able to uh, beat you on that but uh exactly hmm. uh but but it is you know it is that simple it takes uh, a little while to see it because at least it did for me um but whenever it, beget, it gets more complicated than that, I find coming back to that, that, that essential, you know, that I'm alive, I think, and I'm conscious of whatever I think, and my experience is, is being driven from there. Once I return to that point, then it's easier to see what I'm taking seriously, far too seriously, and making far too complex. Mm -hmm. And life then feels a little lighter. It feels a lot of, a lot of, a little easier from there. And certainly for me, I, I don't suffer the depressions that I once did. You know, I've been a depression sufferer in my, in my previous life, years ago. And um that doesn't happen to this that doesn't mean i don't get down i do get down but i i don't get down for long in the way i used to so um yeah it's yeah does that answer your question it does it does and a final question um is is there any final thing you'd like to say just to pull it all together for uh, for the listeners um it's just a, it's that's what's behind the world class leader course. You know, it's this relationship between our inner world and how we show up to our outer world that creates the conditions for ourselves and those around us to do things that we may cons currently consider out of reach or difficult. 
And by going there, that's the perspective shift that can happen, which can make achieving things that currently look difficult or impossible um, within our grasp. And that's the essence really mm. of the way I am with you have thought about the design of the, of the course. Mm. Um, so the same question to you, really. I mean, what you're, you're, you're going to be, uh, we're going to be working together on it. What, what's exciting you about it? Well, I'm, I'm going to look at it in a slightly different uh, way. Huh. Um, I mean, I, I was a, I was a leader for, for uh, a good number of years and I spent a lot of time um, trying to find a better way to lead, to have more impact in the world that I was operating in. And uh, so I did lots and lots of courses and with many of them, I was excited to be going on them. I thought I'm going to find the answer. And a number of those I, I was really impressed by, and I, I did learn some useful things. But what was a constant was that I would hit challenges where I'd feel stuck. And um, I would, my mood would go down. I'd almost be fed up. And I have to be honest, there, there were certainly at least one case and, and maybe partially others where I left a job because I'd, I felt as though I'd had enough. Um, and so all my courses didn't help me find the answers that were, that were really helpful. Mm. Um, now, outside, people saw me as being successful. I, was, uh, I had great roles and I had, I had a lot of successes, of course, um, and I earned good money. But there was this there was this nagging question of what is it that will really make a difference? And I, I really want to help people that have got a question about what will make a difference. Um, what I found, and it's interesting, the book you, you mentioned, first of all, Jack Bransky's book, was the first book I read that was pointing to this uh, this particular um psychological view of uh, uh what's going on and i i too found it incredibly insightful it really resonated with me and what what i saw from it similar to yourself is that i i noticed one that i did have a lot of thinking in those times when i felt as though i was stuck and i didn't realize that the thinking i was having wasn't helping me and then the second thing that occurred for me was that I realized how readily available insights and realizations were, and therefore having new thinking, a new experience of what was going on, and a new way forward. And I, I, I really hope that uh, all the participants on the course will have their own fresh, insightful thinking about the, the world that they're living in and the experiences that they're having and find a way to actually be all that they can be and deliver all the potential that they have within them. Um, and my wish, <laughs> this links back to our podcast title, um, but my wish is that, wow, 
if I'd known then what I know now, then I would have saved a hell of a lot of courses. And I think I would probably would have enjoyed myself a bit more and had even more success. Great. Great. I'm so looking forward to it. And um, thanks, for, um, thanks for suggesting we do this. We make a podcast like this. You, you're, um, it, it, uh, whilst out walking, it helped me reflect on some of the deeper reasons why we were putting this course together. So I found this conversation um, a helpful thing to do. So thanks for suggesting it. Great. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening. I hope you found that of interest. Please do share with anyone you think might benefit from it. And I look forward to being with you next time.